All right. Hey, don't sit down yet. Sorry. Uh, I just got to tell you, I have the, the most uh, utmost respect for my friend Jeff. And uh, you guys probably have no clue, and he wouldn't even like me doing this. But, I mean, who else could pick their family up? and move away knowing that only God could bail them out of that mess <laughs> to come here and start a church so that you could be here and be a part of the team that God is building that's going to change Cincinnati. And so I just think it would be appropriate if we could honor Pastor Jeff for all of his sacrifice and for following, following the call of Christ on his life. And so many of you have been changed and your life is different because of him. Now you can sit down. Now you can sit down. Summer, uh, summer's wrapped up. It's over. How many of you went on summer vacation? Anybody? Summer vacation? No summer? Okay, there we go. Yeah, you guys can ring. Yeah, you guys can feel free. You can talk. You can be expressive. You can say, go home. You're not a, you're a terrible preacher. Just say something, right? So one of a pastor friend of mine said a quiet church is a dead church, okay? So you guys can respond. If I say raise your hand, you just feel free. Go ahead and raise your hand. If I say, say, say something back, then you can repeat. Don't feel like you have to be quiet around here. Uh, but Family vacation, it's a great time of the year. Maybe some of you are about to travel uh, with the holidays. And so I think about uh, getting in the car, and it's just a spectacular feeling to be in the vehicle with your family, and you know that you are, you're going somewhere, and you're getting out of town, and uh, you, you are on your way, and everybody is so happy in the car, and you're turning around, and you're taking the, the perfect Instagram uh, moment of you and your kids just having a good time in the car. You have all these dreams and visions of all the great conversations and the good times that you're going to have uh, on the ride together, and you, you look down, and you see that it's been an entire 13 minutes, and then the question comes that completely changes the mood of the vehicle for the entire rest of the trip. Anybody know what it is? Are we there yet? Everybody knows the question. Are we there yet? It changes everything. Are we there yet? And so there are no more, there's no more laughter in the backseat. There are no more uh, Instagram moments unless you're doing hashtag family travel struggles. And everything in the car absolutely changes when that question is introduced. And, and when you just think it's done, then five minutes later, they say, are we there yet? Once more, only to be answered by, shut up. We'll get there when we get there. <laughs> And no one else is talking the entire rest of the trip. And so I think that this, this question has kind of gotten a bad rap. I mean, we think it's, we think it's kind of an, an annoying question. It's kind of an, a nuisance question, and, and it changes the mood. And I, I think it's gotten a little bit of a bad rap because are we there yet? It actually points to something really spectacular. It really points to something that's really beneficial to our lives because you know what this question does? It, it points us to the fact it focuses on the fact, it reminds us that there's a there. There's a there. There's a destination. And I don't know if you like to go to the beach or if you like to go to the mountains, but when you get in the vehicle, you have a specific purpose in mind. You have a specific intent in mind. You have a destination. 
The destination is there. And when you ask, are we there yet? It reminds us that there is a there that we're trying to get to. There is something out there that we're trying to attain. And I think in our lives, oftentimes we, we have these dreams. We have these ideas of, of where we will end up and what kind of family we will have and, and what kind of career we will have. What kind of person will we be? Will my kids grow up to love and honor and respect me? Will my, my wife and I have a great marriage? Will, will the future be bright? Will things be great? And we, we all have these different ideas, maybe of where there is, or we, we find ourselves maybe in a journey where life hit us with some hard knocks, where life hit us with some things that we didn't quite expect, when the relative, the family member was taken a little too soon, when the breakup happened, when the parents split up. We have these things in our lives that happen, and, and they distract us from where is there. And so I want to introduce to you the idea this morning that the destination the there for not just the life of the Christian, but the intent and the plan of God for every single person in this room, including myself, the God's plan, his destination for us is that love would be what we're moving toward. That love is the destination. Love is there. Now, some of you are thinking like, you got to be kidding me. Like you brought this guy in to tell us love that's the answer to life. That's the secret to life. That's how I get through this. Like love, I learned that in Sunday school with my grandmother's church. God is love. God is love. Anybody remember that song at all? Anybody? Maybe it's just me. I'm the only one who has scars from that, okay? But we remember, we remember, okay, love. Okay, that's, that's just the textbook answer. But I think that Jesus would back this up. In fact, there were a group of people in his day who were experiencing all the conflict, chaos, and turmoil of their lives, and they were wondering, is there, is there hope beyond what I see right now? I mean, am I ever going to get there? Am I ever going to make it through? Am I ever going to get to the other side? Will this ever end? And, and there were an entire generation and generation before that and generation before that that saw that, man, we are in a messed up world. And they heard the stories of, of Adam and Eve and how they allowed this sin into the world and things were no longer right. And since that time, we're, we're slow. Man, it seems like we're, we're dying younger. It seems like, man, our relationship, people are killing each other. People are destroying each other. People are talking bad about each other behind their back. I mean, things just aren't right. And what is going on with the world? And then they, they see and everything culminates when they, they hear about this man who may fulfill the, prom, the prophecies that there will someday be a Savior who brings salvation. There will one day be a Savior who can bring full an abundant life. I mean, we've heard of him. We don't know exactly where he will come from. We don't know exactly when he will come, but there are rumblings. There are people talking, and I'm getting word, and, and I'm hearing about this guy that they call Jesus, and they say that he's healing people, and they say that things are changing when he's there. They're, they're saying... They're saying he's saying things that we've never heard before. He's, he's coming and he's talking about a different kingdom that's not one of this world. I mean, we thought he was going to come and make sure that his man was on the throne. His leader was in office. But he's come and he's saying different things and, and he's changing the way that 
that we think, and we're not really sure if he's the Messiah or not. And so the religious people of his day, they were questioning him, and they were asking him about all things of life. I mean, I mean, teacher, we're calling you teacher. I mean, you, you seem to know the old scriptures. You seem to know the Old Testament. You seem to know about the prophecies that we've all heard of, too. I mean, you're, you're very well educated in this, and we have some questions. I mean, how, how do you get to heaven? And they would ask him, and, and what do we do about divorce? What happens when, when, when uh, two people want to split apart? I mean, what do you say about that. I mean, this is what the law says, but what do you say about that? And they were just drilling him, and they were asking him all these questions of life because they realized we're not there. We're not where we want to be. We are where we are, and we're not where we want to be, and we're not even sure we're on the right direction. And so they're questioning him, and they're, they're asking him and prodding him, and what is your answer? What is your answer? And so they say, you know what? Let's just, let's just cut to it, Jesus. Let's just, let's just cut to the chase here. The ones who were the most proficient in the law of the time, and the law is much, much greater than just the Ten Commandments in this day. In fact, they added 614 more commandments to try to honor the Ten. And so these, these holders of the law, these keepers of the law, the ones who professionally, for their job, made sure that they knew the law and that everyone around them was obeying it too. I mean, they knew their stuff. Everything culminated to a moment, and they said, let's just cut to it. Jesus, what do you say is the greatest of all the law? I mean, what can, what can you tell us that will help us get from here to there? What will you tell us that will help us get to the other side? I mean, we have 614 rules to follow, but what do you say is the greatest in Matthew 22? And here's how he replied. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, all 614, all of your striving from generation to generation to generation, wondering how will we ever get from here to there? What is the answer to all of our problems? What do we do about this sin issue that's come into the world and we're dying faster and people are hurting one another and sickness enters the world and we get bad news and bad uh, chaos happens when, when natural disasters occur and we have all of these things. Where, how do we get from here to there? What is the most greatest thing that we can do? What is the greatest thing that we can follow, Jesus? And he replies and he simplifies everything and he says, all all of the law, everything you've ever heard of that will make you right with God, I can break them down into two. I want to make this very, very simple for you. And I think some of us in this room, maybe we've grown up in a background where we've, we've seen how our grandmother's church did things. And we've seen how our parents maybe taught us. And we've, we've gotten away from that because we, we have this idea, we have this flavor of Christianity that says we have to obey every single law to be all right with God. We have to do everything the right way. We have to give enough money. We have to make sure we show up 52 Sundays a year. And we strive to be a good person we strive to do the right thing so that maybe we will find favor in the eyes of God. And he says, no, just here's what I want you to do. Here's, here's what I want you to do. Just, just focus on, on these two things. Could you, could you love me and could you love each other? Because if you could do that, you could change the world. If you could do that, if you could, if you could follow my lead, in fact, that's what he says. He says, I, and John, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. 
I mean, remember, he's talking to his, his disciples, and he's talking to Pharisees. He's talking to the religious leaders of his day, and, and all of these people are there. And I just have to imagine the, the questions that they must have as he says, you know, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. And some of them are thinking, wow, look how Jesus loved me. And maybe some of you can relate to this, but Jesus loved you when you doubted him. Is God really real? <laughs> Is there really a God? I mean, I mean, I can't really quite figure out all this evolution and this creation stuff. I mean, I don't even know if he's if he exists. I mean, I mean, who is this God? Is this the one who is bringing judgment on me? Is this the one who's causing this bad stuff to happen in my life? Is he is he punishing me for the wrong things I've done? Some of you came to him like that. Some of you came hurting, wondering why that person took advantage of you when you were younger. The person that you were supposed to be able to trust took advantage of you and abused you. Some of you are wondering and you're blaming God. Why, God? Why, God, did my parents split up when I was younger? How different my life would be if I could have grown up in a home where mom and dad loved each other and they loved me. I don't know how you came to Jesus, and maybe some of you in this room, you haven't done so yet because you have those same questions. And the same audience that Jesus was speaking to when he said, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. I loved you through your doubt I loved you through your shame. I loved you through your pain. I loved you through your past. And I want you to do the same thing for others. Respond to the love that I have given you and then pass that same love on to others. In Colossians, he builds a case. <laughs> the New Testament builds a case once again. Put on love. Put on love. Now, I want you to imagine for a minute, we're, we're in the midst of a very, very difficult election season, right? You, you guys probably have no idea what's going on, I'm sure. You've never heard of it. Uh, but, but if you didn't know, we're going to elect a new president next week, and, and tensions are high. And I just want you to imagine for a minute that, that I was really pro your candidate, okay? <laughs> Whoever that is, all right? I was really pro your candidate, and, and I was invited here today, and you were just waiting for me to make sure that I told everybody who they should vote for. Let's just set the record straight, Nate. Come in here, and I want you to do this. Now, I, I want you to imagine, I mean, how, how excited you would be. I mean, I'm going to give you some biblical facts here, all right? Here's who you should vote for, okay? Imagine that I came in here to do that, but when I came to the stage, this is what I was wearing. This is what I was wearing. Where's it at? Oh, don't tell me it froze. Okay, I thought the computer, but oh, right there. Imagine that I was wearing that. Would you, yeah, <laughs> no, don't imagine that. Yeah, you're right. Don't imagine that, please. Okay. But if I was wearing this, you know what would happen? You would not be able to get past what I'm wearing to actually hear what I have to say. You would not be able to get past what I have on to get to the heart of the content of what I actually have to offer you because of what I'm wearing. He says, put on love. Go ahead, fight for social injustice. Go ahead, pick your cause and fight for it. In marriage, we're going to have arguments. We're going to have disagreements. It just happens. In relationships, we're not going to get along with everybody 100% of the time. But do people have to get through our anger before they get to our love because that's what we're wearing? Do people have to get through our bad attitude before they can get to the fact, well, I, I know my dad loves me. I just have to get through all the yelling and screaming first. Put on love. 
I mean, I think it's undeniable, and my, my hope and prayer for you is what happened to me will happen to you. When you begin to read the Bible, Old and New Testament, you'll just see this everywhere. Everything is about the love of God, and when he gives us love, we give love to each other. Everything is about our relationship with him and our relationship with one another. Even think about the original Ten Commandments. They're all about our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Have no other gods before me. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Our relationship with him. Don't steal from one another. Our relationship with each other. Don't kill. Our relationship with one another. That's why Jesus said everything can be boiled down to love. The destination for our lives. The destination for our journey. The the destination to really achieve full and abundant life in Christ is that we could be loved by God and in turn, love others. Love is the destination. We had our Are You There moment not too long ago. This summer, uh, we took our family on vacation. In fact, can, I, can we put a picture of my family up right here? Okay. Uh, these are my four kids. They're back there uh, in the nursery. So, yeah, this is Judah. In this picture, he was four. He just turned five. And so we actually had four that were four and under until just a couple weeks ago. But this is Judah right here. And then this is Jovi on the right, Justice. And then our youngest is 10 months, and that's Jace. And um, it's just awesome and crazy all at the same time, all right? And so uh, lots of people, you like, you must really love kids. I'm like, no, I just really love my wife. So <laughs> it's a, sorry, you'll get that in one second, all right? And yes, I went there. I know we're in church. But this is my family, and no sooner did we get in the vehicle that 40 minutes down the road in Lebanon, right on 48, this is what happened to us, <laughs> Our vehicle had to be towed, okay? So we're on our way to vacation. And let me, let me remind you here, uh, this was the only week of the entire summer that we could go on vacation, all right? And we had to leave on a Sunday morning. I had a wedding to do the Saturday before, and I had to be back by the following Sunday. And so this was the only week of the entire summer that we could make it to vacation. We're out of town 40 minutes, and our vehicle breaks down. It was an alternator, in case you're wondering. That, that has no relevance to the story, all right? But... We're sitting in a Target parking lot. Now, granted, there are worse places to be than my wife's favorite store of all time. But we're sitting in the parking lot, and I mean, can you imagine the are we there yet moments that we had that day? (laughs) But let me just tell you, there was absolutely nothing that was going to stop me from getting my family on vacation. I mean, I'm like pulling out the credit cards. I don't care how much we have to pay for a rental car. We're going to do it. We are getting to vacation. This is the only week that we have. But you know what I learned? No matter how much I wanted to be on vacation, no matter how much I wanted to be heading south, no matter how much I wanted to be there in Tennessee for that week, direction determines where I end up. My direction, not my intention, will determine my destination. Despite my my best intentions to get us to Tennessee that Sunday, no matter how much I wanted to be there, it's the only week of the year. This is what I really, 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 really want. If we're not driving south, we're not heading to our destination. If we're not moving in the right direction, then I will never get there. I'll continually be asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And we'll never get there. Because direction, not intention, determines your destination, and my destination. So, how do we know? 
I mean, how do we know if we're headed in the right direction? I mean, I want you to think about in your vehicle, you, you have these, these questions coming at you. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We're getting annoyed, but isn't that actually what we do all the time when we're driving? I mean, every time we look at an exit sign, every time we look at a mile marker, I mean, we're really just kind of saying, am I there yet? No, nope, but I'm one exit closer. Am I there yet? No, I'm one city closer. Am I there yet? No, I'm one mile closer. We're constantly asking ourselves, it's really not a bad question. We have to ask ourselves, how am I doing? Am I getting to where I actually want to go? Are we there yet? How do we determine that? It's one sign at a time, one exit at a time, one mile marker at a time. That's how we know that we're getting there. And the Bible offers us some really clear mile markers. If our destination is love, how do you know that you are heading in the right direction? How do we know that we're moving toward where we want to go? Galatians chapter 5, some of you have heard of the fruits of the Spirit. If you've grown up in church, you certainly have. Maybe this is your very first time hearing that. But there's a list given for us of the the fruits that the Spirit of God will produce in our life. And I want to point here to verse uh, 6 here in Galatians chapter 5. It says, For when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised, meaning this was the way that they tried to be right with God. Being circumcised or uncircumcised, it was the way that man came up with to try to be clean and holy and righteous before God. And he's saying it it really matters nothing what you think you have to do to be right with God. It really matters nothing that you are maybe better than your neighbor when you say, I'm a good person and we're only comparing them to somebody else that's worse than us, (laughs) right? Despite your best efforts to make sure that your church attendance is perfect and your tithe check is just the right amount, despite your best efforts... Can I tell you what's really, really important here? Galatians says, what is important is faith expressing itself through what? Through love. Let's just get rid of all this other stuff. And and let let me point you in the right direction. The context of the fruits of the Spirit that we're about to get to. The context of everything that's happening in this chapter, in this instruction that's given to us. The context is how do you love the fruits of the Spirit? are actually designed to equip us to love better. That's why they're there. They're really not for any other reason, because he says right here in verse 6, what's most important is that when you say you have faith, when you fully put your whole faith and hope and trust in Jesus, what's important is that you express that faith. Not through checking all the religious boxes. Not through trying to do everything right. Not through trying to be a good person. But faith expressing itself in love. But the cool thing, the cool thing about Jesus is he never gives us an instruction that he's not willing to empower us to do. We never have to do it alone. In fact, some of you have figured out you can't do it on your own. If you haven't yet, you will. We can't live the right life on our own. We can't live for Jesus on our own. And so we look back, I'm going to show you this in John chapter 14. Jesus, again, he's talking about love. I mean, I'm telling you, it's all over the place. God loves us. We love him. When we love him, really good things happen. (laughs) It's everywhere. John chapter 14, it says, if you love me, then obey my commandments. And we already learned what his commandments are. If you love me, then love me. I mean, how, how many of you, I mean, you're thinking about your kids. Your kids tell you you love 
they love you, but you're thinking, I know you're saying that, but I just want you to really love me. Don't just say it, just love me. Some of you have had that experience with your spouse or someone you dated. They say they love you, but you're like, okay, I don't want you to say it. I just want you to love me. Saying, if you love me, and his two commandments are love me and love others. So if you love me, love me and love others. If you love me, follow the commands that I've given you. And as you're doing that, at the same time that you are loving me and you're loving others, at the same time, guess what I'm going to do for you? (laughs) I'm going to send you an advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to lead you toward love. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit was given here so that we may love God better and we may love each other better. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament and opened the whole Western world to Christianity and the idea of following Christ and who he was, the reason that we're here today is in part because of Paul and him pioneering our faith. And he said, you know what, you can speak in the tongues of men and angels, and that's good. I hope you all do. You can prophesy in the name of Christ. You can heal people and you can cast out demons, and I hope you do. All of that's well and good. But if you don't love, you have nothing. Don't forget Everything is based in love, and I just have to think that maybe there's, there's a connection there because the, the Bible talks in Revelation about a church who will come to him. There will people who come to him and say, but, but we cast out demons in your name, but we prophesied in your name, and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Could it be because they had the wrong foundation? It wasn't in love. The purpose we have gifts, the purpose that we have the, the power of God to heal The reason we have the Holy Spirit is first rooted in love, because love is the destination. And he's saying, I'm going to help you with this. We sing unstoppable God. Man, he was an unstoppable God, even though his leader was not in office. Even though his man or woman didn't get voted in. Because his kingdom was not of this world. It was not a kingdom built with weapons and warfare. It was a kingdom built through love and servanthood and sacrifice. And we're here today, not because he came and he established his political reign in the earth, not because he was here and came in with guns blazing, but he was here to serve and he humbled himself as a servant, even humbled himself to death on a cross. We're here because of his love. His love pushed through all of our questions, Are we there yet? Will we ever get there? And he says, I want to help you love me. And I want to help you love one another. I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. And when I give you my spirit, we pick back up in Galatians. And he says, this is what will happen. This is what will happen when I give you my spirit. You, You won't have to try really, really hard. You ever walk past a tree producing apples and hear it grunting? Uh, Apple. (laughs) It doesn't happen. Fruit happens. It's just there. It's what the tree does. It produces fruit. When we truly love God and we love others at the same time, he will give us his spirit. And he says, I will produce this kind of fruit in your life. So we pick up back in Galatians. Beginning in verse 13 says, for you have been called to live in freedom. I mean, how many would love to live in freedom? Freedom from yourself, <laughs> primarily, right? 
Anybody ever made a bad decision? Raise your hand, right? Anybody ever made a bad, okay, how many ever uh, made the same bad decision twice? <laughs> like, we can't even be free from ourselves, let alone the enemy who wants our soul and to still kill and destroy us. We have something to gain from this. We can live in freedom. For we have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Isn't it interesting that the opposing force of living, what we might say wild living, following our own selfish desires, our own wants, our own needs, what makes me happy, what makes me feel good, what makes me fit in, what makes me get value and approval from other people. I mean, isn't it interesting that the opposite of that is to love one another? It's not, don't get drunk, don't get high, don't hurt one another. It's not the list of don'ts, it's, no, just love one another. That's what will take out all these other things. So don't live by the sinful nature. Don't live by what you want to do, but just serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this command, love your neighbor as yourself. There it is again. Verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let. Just let. There's already a promise that the Holy Spirit wants to guide your life. He will guide your life. He will empower you. He will give you the fruit that you need. He will produce the fruit in your life. But we have to sit back and we have to let. That means we get ourselves out of the way. Let the Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting one another so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You see that? Direction, not intention, determines our destination. Direction, not intention, determine our destinations. We're not even free to follow our own good intentions. You know how I know that? I still eat dessert at 10 o'clock at night sometimes. Amen. Despite my best intentions, it just doesn't happen. I can't even follow my own rules, let alone God's on my own. Direction, the direction we're heading, not our intentions, determines our destination. Verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are under no obligation to the law. Meaning, you really don't have to try so hard. <laughs> you really don't have to try so hard just to do it all right and to make yourself right and to be right with God. And, well, I'll try to do better. And How are you doing in your relationship with God? You know what the number one answer? Well, I could be doing better. I could be trying a little bit harder. I could be reading my Bible a little bit more. But when we're really led by the Spirit because we let the Spirit work in our life, fruit happens. It just goes. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of the sinful nature, I mean, the results are very clear. And I want you to notice as we're reading these, everything on this list is, has a profound effect on the relationships around us. Every, everything on this list is what enables us to destroy our relationships with other people. It says it, it's very clear. I mean, sexual immorality. Any, anybody ever had a relationship breakdown or know of one because of sexual immorality, sexual misconduct, impurity, lustful pleasures, following after what's not yours and you want it so bad that you will obtain it at all costs, no matter if it costs you that relationship? 
No matter if it cost you that friendship, no matter if it cost you the trust of your spouse. Idolatry, sorcery. Sorcery is being under the influence of something else. Anybody's family ever been messed up because somebody was on drugs? Anybody ever made some bad decisions because you were under the influence of something other than the Spirit of God? I mean, he says it's clear. When we, when we don't live by the Spirit, when we don't allow him to source our life, I mean, it's, it's evident. You will destroy the relationships of those around you. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, meaning you just defend what you want and your desires and your agenda at all costs. You're, you're jealous of your own way. Outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I mean, it's just clear. This is what happens when you're not sourced by the Spirit. This is what will happen. And we see it all the time. I want nothing to do with that. I pray to God that I would have the desire, like verse 16 said, to let the Spirit work in my life. God's love reaches out to you and I enough to save us from ourselves. Our own wickedness, our own selfish desires. He knows it'll mess us up. He knows it'll trip us up. And the way to life and life abundantly, to escape the plans of the enemy, to kill, still destroy, and take you out. He knows that his life that he offers is abundant. It's an amazing full life lacking nothing. And that gift of life, true life, came through love. So, on the flip side, the good news. The good news for us today is that we can let the Holy Spirit reign and rule in our life. And this is what will happen. We pick up in verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces. Another version of that is the Holy Spirit gives it's, it freely gives, it, it produces, it, it causes it, it sources it. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What if your spouse was full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? What if we could say in our conflict with one another, in my conflict, I still have joy. In my conflict, I have peace. In my conflict, I have patience. And the things that are going on in my life that just aren't right, I, I still have kindness for my fellow brother. What if I could say, in spite of the things that happened in my life that I don't understand, I still am faithful to God. I still have a faith in him that he will bring me through and he will carry me out and that his love is strong enough. Can you imagine what our world would be like? Could we imagine what our church would be like? Can we imagine what our homes would be like if the Holy Spirit reigned in each of our lives and we interacted with our kids in such a way that they could say, wow, my, my dad is really kind to me. In spite of the fact that I just wronged him, in spite of the fact that, yeah, he grounded me to teach me a lesson, but I know he was doing it because he loves me. What if people on our jobs could see a version of not just being a Christian, 
but being a disciple, a follower of Christ, sourced by his Holy Spirit. So much so that our co-workers said, wow, what is up with them? <laughs> They're so different. You know, people ultimately won't, won't come into this church because we have really cool events. And those are important and we should do those. People ultimately won't come to church even because you, you invited them. Although that's really important and we should invite them. You know what will make them say yes to your invitation is you have something they want. There's something in your life that looks different than their life. Because, see, they live by the sinful nature, which causes conflict and strife, which brings hurt, which brings pain. But somehow when they look at your life, they see that things aren't perfect around you, but yet you have perfect peace in your life. You have perfect joy in your life. You seem to be patient when they, your coworker makes a mistake that costs you something. <laughs> What would happen in our city if we looked like that? Jesus was our example. He said, love like I loved. And when he loved, it changed the world. His perfect love brought us here today. His perfect love has forgiven you. His perfect love has given you a hope and a future. His perfect love has given me fulfillment and joy and peace and confidence. He's my provider. He's everything that I need, that I need. and it came through the door of his perfect love for me. And he says, I want you to do the same thing for others. What if people who don't know Christ, they're, they're not sure about the whole Christianity thing. I mean, they're not even sure they believe in God, but, but somehow they, they work with one of you and they say, wow, I, I'm not sure if I want to be one of those Christ followers. I'm not sure if I want to be a Christian, but I sure hope my daughter marries one. I hope there's a guy that treat my, treats my daughter how Christians do. I hope my son grows up and, and marries one of those Christian women. I, I'm not really sure if I, if I want to be a Christian yet, but, but I'd really like to hire some. I mean, they're just, they're just the best workers that you could ever find. I'm not really sure about the whole Christian thing, but I, I think I would really like to work for one. That's what's going to change Cincinnati. That's what's going to change our families. That's what's going to change our world, not who gets in the office on Tuesday. It's important. We should be a part of the process. Yes, all of that. But love is the destination. And when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, when we let the Holy Spirit fill us, we may not be able to say, are we there yet? <laughs> we can say, God, your Holy Spirit is working in me today. I'm allowing your Holy Spirit to work in me today. And by your grace, I'm one step closer to there. I'm one more step closer to your perfect love as your perfect love works in me and through me. Galatians goes on and gives us the list of the fruits of the Spirit. Here's what happens when you don't have it. Here's what happens when you do. And it, it ends with... Something very interesting. 
And this is not on the screen, but it's verse 24. I'm just going to read it to you. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We have nailed our passions. We have nailed our will. We have nailed our desires to the cross of Christ. Full life comes when we fully surrender. Is it any wonder that when Jesus was here, he said, we won't be known to the world by our church attendance. We won't be known to the world by the good people that we are. We try to do good things. We, we won't be known to the world by how much money we give or how many volunteer hours that we serve. We'll be known to the world by the way we love. We'll be known to the world by the way that we love. We can never experience the full love of Christ. We can never give the love of Christ until we have laid down ourselves enough to be loved by him and know how he loves us. And we let him reign in our lives. It says our passions, our desires, our will has to be nailed to the cross as well. If you'll close your eyes with me for a moment, there's some of you in this room, you would say, you know what, I don't think that I've, I've ever fully experienced the kind of love that you're talking about. I'm not sure that I can, I can give the kind of love that you're talking about, Pastor Nate. I'm, I'm not really sure that I can do that because I haven't experienced love for myself. Let me tell you this morning that full love, full life comes with full surrender. When we nail our passions and our desires and our wants and our needs and our agendas. When we nail it to the cross of Christ and we say, you know what, I want to be found in him. I want to be crucified with Christ. I want to exchange my life for the one that he has for me. This morning, our lives can be different. This morning, we can experience full life, but full life only comes when we fully surrender our life to his our desires to his. And if you're in this room this morning, you would say, you know what? I've never given my life to Christ. I've never, I've never met Jesus before. I've never allowed him to come in and, and cover the, the spaces and places of my heart where I, I hold the hurt and I hold, hold the shame and I, I hold back the things that are dear to me. And, and, and I'm just not sure what will happen if I just give it up. But this morning, you know what, Pastor Nate, I'm, I'm feeling something. I, my heart's beating fast and I'm not really sure what to do about it, but, but I think I want to go ahead and give my life to Christ. I think I want to experience the love that he has for me. This morning, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't even have to know your next step. This morning, in this moment, all you have to do is say, you know what, I surrender my life for the one that Jesus has for me. This morning, if that's you and you would say, I want to experience the love of God. I want to give my life to Christ and I never have before. I just want you to slip your hand up and look at me. If that's you in here, I just want you to slip your hand up and look at me. Say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. Others of you in the room, you would say, you know what? I, I would call myself a Christian, but... I'm not sure if I looked at the road signs. I'm not sure those fruits of the Spirit are really evident in my life. I'm not sure that those who are closest to me would look at me and define me as a joyful person, a, a person of peace and joy and patience and kindness and loving and gentleness and self-control. I'm not sure. If, if those are my road signs that let me know I'm on my way to my destination, I, I'm not sure that's me. I, I love Jesus. I 
I want him in my life. I want he ha- what he has for me. But I'm not sure, Pastor Nate, that I've really let the Holy Spirit work in my life. I'm not really sure that I've, I've laid everything aside enough to say, Jesus, I want you to fully come alive in me. I want you to live through me. If you're in this room, I, I can't answer that for you. I can tell you that I live this abundant life. I live this full life. I know what it's like to be found in him, and I know what happens when I am led by the Spirit. And I can tell you that you'll never regret just giving everything to him. You'll never regret laying it all down. And the reality is that when I walk out these doors, I'm going to continue to follow Christ. I'm going to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to work in me. But what will you do? Will you say, you know what, I need more of his spirit in my life. I I need to to make room and get rid of some things in my heart so that his Holy Spirit can fill my heart. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not even going to ask you to come down here in front and and cry and get on your knees. What I'm going to ask you to do for the next few moments is have a quiet moment with your father. Have a quiet moment with the God who loves you, the unstoppable God who... (laughs) reaches out to you, who wants to cover your life, the one who wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And I want you to have a moment with him and say, you know what, this morning, I'm going to look back on this morning, on this Sunday morning, say that was the day. I, I was a Christian. I love Jesus. But that was the day that I fully surrendered my heart and my life to the Holy Spirit, ruling and reigning in my life and leading me in my life. Will you have a moment with him? Will you invite the Holy Spirit in? Will you become more aware of his presence in the room, his presence in your life that wants to not just encourage you to live for him, but that would allow you, that would allow him to live through you? pray a blessing over every person in this room right now. I pray that as we submit our lives to you, as we submit our lives to your spirit that wants to live within us and live through us, that we would find favor in your sight, that your favor would be on our lives, that when others look at us, they would say, I want whatever it is that they have. And as we continue to follow you, as we continue to hear your voice, as we continue to love the way that you have loved, that you would bring more people into your church. It's so much bigger than just to elevate church. It's so much bigger than even just Cincinnati, God. But I pray that you would bring people into your kingdom because of the way the people in this room live their lives that their lives would be marked by the Holy Spirit, that people would look at them and they would not just see Joe and they would not just see Susie and they would not just see Matt and they would not just see Jeff, but they would see Jesus in each of us, that they would see Jesus over their lives, that they would see the fruits of the Spirit that only you can produce in us. I pray that this city would be turned upside down because of the people in this room who will decide that love is the destination, who will submit to that and realize (laughs) that your Holy Spirit can empower them and equip them to love 
their families, love their coworkers, love this world, love this city the way that you have loved them. In Jesus' name, amen.